Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 234 of the Spoiler Alert podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're going to be discussing the new full-length animated feature remake of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine. This has got to be a good episode for you. You're so into holiday movies, <laughs> Christmas so movies. Are like, yes. Like, it's strange to think that for about two two months a year, like a sixth of the year, you just listen to Christmas music and watch Christmas movies. <laughs> like, for a sixth of the year, that's all I watch. But for the rest of the year, it's some of what I watch <laughs> and listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like an SAT question in there somewhere with, like, the, <laughs> right, the inclusions right. and exclusions of what you watch. Yes. That's that's great. Um, what's your favorite holiday movie? Oh, Oh God, that's that's such a tough call. I think we've talked about this before. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life to me is kind of one of the penultimates, but my sister and I have a strong affinity for the cheesy nostalgia of the Michael Curtis directed Bing Crosby starring White Christmas. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's it it's not a good movie, but uh like it's one we watch every christmas when we get together so that's up there the kids just freaking adore home alone and home alone 2 and i think they prefer the sequel and so that's on like at least 10 times rotation through november and december in the house so uh although i gotta tell you the other day i was watching the bruce willis roast on Comedy Central from oh, okay. like I don't know months back or maybe even a year ago, and they were showing the clip shows, and of course Die Hard shows up. In there of course, and like, I, it's November. I I should pop that in, and so I started it, but I couldn't finish it that night. But well, this uh, is the thirtieth anniversary of Die Hard, and is probably my favorite uh, Christmas movie. Yeah. And it is many theaters are bringing it back onto the big screen. Yeah, I, I think if anybody, if you've got the opportunity to check it out, I am definitely going to be checking out Die Hard on the big screen. That's a fantastic idea. And I got to say, I was super excited going to one of the theaters in Madison. I think it was like in February when I saw the, the promotional posters for The Grinch for November already posted in the theater. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, it's sort of one of the things that gets me through the the dark days of winter in February and March when I just need a little Christmas in my life. I got to plan for Christmas. Already. You got to think ahead. And, and yes, you know, I, uh, while Die Hard is my favorite Christmas movie, I am an absolute Die Hard, green blooded Grinch fan. My whole life, the Boris Karloff narrated Chuck yeah. Jones animated special is such like a, a touchstone for me from my youth and from the whole Christmas season that I have approached this movie with a lot of enthusiasm and I'm just a huge Grinch geek. So I'm excited to talk about this with you. And uh, I, rem- to, to I remember that about you take. from our, from our college years. And uh, I think about it fondly as well. Like I remember when it used to be like, I, I don't know if they still do this. Do they still show it on network television in a 30 minute CBS special probably shows it for once like a year. yeah right like it it comes out in you know the second week of december and it's on a thursday night and they have commercials in the middle right, of it right like i i know tnt used to show it ad nauseum for a while and then of course 
DVD existed and you could just get that and watch it whenever you wanted. But right. I, I love it as well. Well, let's drill into Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. This is the, I guess, the third major telling of this story after the book, right? So Dr. Seuss wrote the book. Right. is the, the Chuck Jones animated special. And then Ron Howard, back in 2000, directed the Jim Carrey uh, starring live action live film. Action. And so here we get a, a new a new film from uh, our friends at Illumination. And it's the story of The Grinch, which if you don't know the plot recap of The Grinch, how dare you and shut up. So that's it. That's it. No, I'll go a little bit deeper because uh, that should be it. But in in true Hollywood fashion, rather than rather than even just remake a great thing, Hollywood has decided to remake it and try to make it three times longer. So this movie gives us the Grinch, but it also gives us a backstory for the Grinch. It gives us uh, a couple of kooky side plots. It greatly expands and alters the the tale of Cindy Lou Who. Uh, and tries to give us more reasons to love the Grinch, including the fact that he's not that bad. Right. He's he's less of a sourpuss uh, yeah. in this version. So uh, lots more going on. I don't know that much of it is truly germane because the outline of the plot is, is largely untouched. But uh, if you're familiar with the Grinch, you get the broad strokes. It's the Grinch. What'd you think of it? I loved it. How about you? You loved it. Did, did, did it. the kids like it? Yeah, yeah, the kids liked it a lot. Okay, great. I, I was laughing harder than they were, but oh wow! But, but okay. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I hated it. Oh shoot! <laughs> yeah, I really think they 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 stunk it up. It's yeah, really bad. That sucks. <laughs> I'm really interested though to see. I'm taking my family. I'm going to go see it again. Um, I'll see it with my family. I'm very curious to see what my kids think of it because yeah. they they like the Chuck Jones version. Uh, the Jim Carrey one is scary. They think it's too creepy and it's like uncomfortable, so they don't like to watch that version. Uh, and I'm wondering if this cutesy, not so mean, yeah. friendly Grinch is more going to be up there, up their street. You know, I think that the Jim Carrey version was a little bit scary, but I think that the original was kind of scary. And while I love the whole story of it, and and I compare it to A Christmas Carol, where I haven't seen a version of Ebenezer Scrooge where he's actually a likable guy up until, you know, his his comeuppance on Christmas. Like, he's always just an evil son of a bitch the entire time. Right. And then, and then finally realizes what he's been screwing up on Christmas. This was a little bit different in that the Grinch seems a little bit more likable and less evil and kind of just suffering from stress or high anxiety he's really loving to his dog max which is a turn from right. the prior version yeah, he loves he's kind max. of abusive yeah. to his dog i hate abuse to animals so i really liked that like kind of the one person that he really loves is his dog max and he's just kind of annoyed with his Christmas loving neighbors, but they all sort of know and accept him in this version. Like he's not an ogre that lives just outside of town. He's, he's just, he, he's another one of the neighbors that isn't that friendly, but always shows up to buy groceries. And, and I liked that about him. I could almost kind of relate to it, but I, I'm taking it. You didn't appreciate that turn on the story. Well, I'm so I'm glad I'm real, truly glad that you enjoyed it. I just, 
And I think it is a beautiful movie. The animation's kind of jaw-dropping. And I loved Max. I loved the dog. The dog is not only so cute, he they get so many of the dog mannerisms right like like just the way he curls up everything about it was like the dog was true he circles on his bed three times he's just so sweet and so cute i just loved max give us more max but man i was so disappointed with everything else i mean the fact that they they gave the grinch first of all the grinch is an ogre who lives outside of town everything about him is rotten he's got spiders in his smile he's got all the charming sweetness of a seasick crocodile he's the worst and in this movie he's totally fine he's kind of a curmudgeon and he had one really bad christmas and he kind of has ptsd we also learn in this one he is apparently an orphan this movie also throws us an overworked single mom i mean it's like all these weird like hallmark movie cliches that are jammed into this movie in an attempt to give us more of a reason for the Grinch to have his, first of all, we need to, for some reason, empathize with the Grinch and give him a reason to hate Christmas, which I don't know why he needs a reason. He's the Grinch. Right. And then the reason why he, he has sort of his turnaround by the end is, is different. And they're trying to give us like five reasons why that happens. And I just felt like it was all unnecessary. And then there's the subplots like the the chubby reindeer and some other things that I felt are just there to pad screen time. That I just thought they didn't add anything to the story. It was just you can't have a 28-minute feature-length yeah. film. So we got to beef this up somehow. I agree with that frustration about – but they are making a feature-length film. And this is the second feature-length adaptation of this story. And – while I read a lot of criticism about their lack of new plot twists, I really thought that they actually did inject some new material into the source material, which, of course, you can argue should not be injected with, right? I mean, it's a it's a classic story no matter what. But I liked the reindeer characters. I liked Bricklebaum, like the, the crazy local Christmas lunatic. I liked Cindy Lou asking Santa for a really thoughtful gift. This wasn't just her wanting to meet Santa, but there was a there was a reason behind her wanting to meet Santa that had nothing to do with her. I appreciated all of that. Yes, it's saccharine. Yes, it's a little bit Hallmark, but I love Christmas movies, so See, I appreciate it, saccharine Hallmark Christmas movies. It's so and saccharine. I, and and why do we have to have Cindy Lou who who in the original animated feature and in the book has like what all she says is why, why Santa Claus, why? That's her whole role, and right. in in this movie and in the Ron Howard version, she gets elevated to the second lead, yeah, and like the yeah. whole plot suddenly hinges on Cindy Lou. Who it's because she's the only who who has a name. She's the only character other than the Grinch and Max who gets a name in the whole story. And I just thought, well, if you're going to invent characters, why not invent an interesting character that has more to do than give us this semi precocious, mostly obnoxious little punk. And Bricklebaum seemed like a good start. Maybe now, we should have gone further with him. So the things I liked, I liked the animation. I liked Max. I liked Bricklebaum because I did like Keenan Thompson is hilarious. <laughs> and his every line reading had me laughing out loud, like just his intonation and how ridiculous he is. And I did like that. He thinks the Grinch is just a good buddy. Like 
that he's so he's so in the Christmas spirit. He just loves sharing his Christmas spirit with the Grinch, who freaking hates Christmas, and he just doesn't let that bother him. So I liked Bricklebrom a lot, but I just all that other stuff. It just and it felt like they were throwing the kitchen sink at us. It felt like I was waiting for. I was waiting to hear about Cindy Lou Who's mom being alone because her dad died last year at Christmas time, and Christmas is tough for mom. Because it was like, and dad was a veteran, and like, what else can you do to to tug these heartstrings? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's just not necessary. I so I it bothered me a lot of it bothered me. Okay, well, I do agree with you that it was really visually beautiful, yeah. and I contrast that with the two thousand live action version where. I felt like that whole movie was depressing. Yeah. I felt like every scene that could have been pretty about Whoville and the mountains around Whoville were all set in like just after dusk and it was yeah. sort of purple, ugly, scary. This was always lit with sun and I really I really liked that about it. I thought that it was a, a pretty movie animated to watch. It was great. Um, you know, the, the previous two versions, one had Boris Karloff as the narrator and the next had Anthony Hopkins as the narrator. So I'll be honest and say in my heart of hearts, I was hoping for Alec Baldwin narration. Oh, and instead we got Pharrell Williams. Yeah. Which is terrible. And the song is the worst rendition of this song you'll ever hear. The you're, you're a mean one. Mr. Grinch is absolutely butchered. To the point, it's it's it's, it's a classic Christmas song that that fell really horribly here. I completely Horrible. agree with you. And I said my first my first dislike here was Pharrell Pharrell Williams. He sounds like Jennifer Jason Lee in Annihilation. <laughs> I think that it might as well <laughs> right. have been her. Right. There is absolutely no excitement in his voice, and I've read a ton of reviews since seeing the movie that praised. him. Him oh. in the film as a thing that sort of elevated it beyond crap and I thought in my opinion he was the worst of the movie now in the original Boris Karloff is the narrator as well as the voice of the Grinch right yes is he, eh, okay now in the 2000 adaptation Anthony Hopkins is the narrator of course Jim Carrey is the Grinch right. so, so so no we, we we started a separation in 2000 but I thought that he was bland as can possibly be it was really a depressing rendition of the narration and i'm going to jump into my second thing then that i disliked about the movie and there are only two but i really enjoyed it overall i also thought that it was really embarrassing that they would mess with dr seuss's script because they would start a line from the Dr. Seuss book with the Pharrell Williams narration and then stop it and go into an ad lib about it, which I, and, and after the third time I had to note it, like, what are they doing here? Like at least in the Ron Howard version, of course there was tons of dialogue that did not tie back to Dr. Seuss original, but in this one they'd start it and then, ad lib it felt like they were trying to improve it yeah yeah and like you you really can't do that this is it's dr seuss so that was i I think an unfortunate turn that they took with it yeah um i i wholeheartedly agree um the other thing that i had a so i didn't like the story 
I didn't like many of the new characters. I freaking hated the song. I hated the narration. I hated that they like they made the Grinch likable. I hated the saccharine over the top, tug the heartstrings, kitchen sink. But what I found the most maybe jarring in this whole movie, and not to get weird here, but throughout the movie, they the Who's in Whoville are constantly singing human Christmas carols. And not just human Christmas songs, but religious Christmas carols. There are a mm-hmm. number of songs where they we're talking about remember Christ our Savior and who's born upon this day. And and these are like okay, we're, they're really putting they're putting the Christ back in Christmas here in Whoville, which is a little weird because they're I don't know, aliens or who's or monsters or I don't really get like are these Judeo Christian who's? Sure. But I, so I thought that was just such an odd juxtaposition because in the Chuck Jones version, they sing their weird Yahoo yoring. You know, right, right. Like, Welcome Christmas. Yeah. yeah, right. And by the way, they didn't sing that song, which I also thought was strange that the, the Who's Christmas morning it's song a, is an different. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, for all these people who, who get so upset about you know, Starbucks can't wish you a Merry Christmas and can't put like Merry Christmas on the coffee and the coffee cup. We can have this movie. It's all about Christmas and the power of Christmas. And they even added back songs about Christ. Yeah. And it just feels like you've got, you've got the scene with the carolers doing the pentatonics. God rest you, Merry gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a hilarious scene. I thought the carolers were funny. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, I was so struck by like, this is so weird. I feel like the the move in Hollywood and in most popular culture would be to make this more about presents and gifts and niceness and have right. nothing to do with religion. And yet they've dumped in a bunch of human religious songs. Hmm. But also they're having them sung by these little who's. It just was so strange, I thought. like, And if they, yeah. they wanted to have pop songs in there, they could have done Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty or – some of those other tunes that have nothing to do with sure right right just Jesus. pretty agnostic yeah. yeah so what i think is interesting is that you you didn't like that he was likable in this but i feel like of the three versions we've seen now this is the one where he does a mea culpa at the end where he acknowledges i did all this i'm a bad guy and they still accept him back into their community and forgive him for what they did the night before. Like, I feel like in the Chuck Jones version, he gets to ride in blaring his trumpet as the guy that saved Christmas after having stolen it the night before. And gets to hand put the wreaths back on the trees yep. and, and hand back everybody's gifts to them. Like, don't worry, I saved you guys. Whereas I think in this one he acknowledged... I hated Christmas because it really depressed me and I'm sick of being lonely and I'm really sorry for having done that, which I really liked about this. And, and I, I guess I could, I could get behind that moment. I think he could have been just as big a bastard as the Grinch is. I think he, we could have gone the whole movie without knowing why he's such a jerk and why he hates Christmas and why he's so mean. And he could have the same turnaround and then have that mea culpa of, I'm really sorry. Like, I I did you wrong. I apologize. And then for them to welcome. You could still do that. And it would be, I think, more meaningful than, you know, he really wasn't all that bad to begin with. And, 
you kind of was in a bad mood and you kind of screwed up and I'm sorry and eh, probably shouldn't have done okay. this. Um, yeah, it would have. I, I also, it, it would have prevented us from having that awesome scene where he shows up at the end of the night to the Christmas party, where you hear Nat King Cole's chestnuts roasting on an open fire playing from the outside of the house, but all the ambient noises of the party goers inside that just made me want to go home and build a fire. Right. Like I was like, oh, this is what a Christmas movie is supposed yes. to be. And it was so beautiful. And yeah, you want to have people over and pour a cocktail and just Yes. Yeah. yes. Um But but this movie also did, which I found really strange, is it gave us the reaction of the Who's Christmas morning when they realized that Santa not only didn't come, but that he stole Christmas. And they're bummed. And they are disappointed and they do miss their presence and they do miss their stuff and they all still gather, but they don't sing right away. They sort of just are in collective shock. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because in the Chuck Jones, they go, as far as we know, they wake up, they barely skip a beat. They go right out and sing because Christmas has come. And that's when the Grinch realizes, okay, it doesn't come from a, a store doesn't come in a bag, right? Doesn't come with a, a package. And in this one, like it's weird because they we see that they're bummed out about it and they're disappointed. And I thought, well, that sort of takes away from yeah. the who's like right, everything about right. it, I feel like every choice was just boy, you really made the wrong choice here. Or, boy, you're really kind of on the original Grinch, the book and the animated special. Like I don't know why you're you're doing this. I, like you're trying to appeal to this super broad audience or something, but the Grinch already appeals to a super broad audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for all those Starbucks coffee, ca- coffee cup haters out there, I think if they don't want to hear someone say Merry Christmas, they're not going to come to the Grinch either. So right, you probably right, yeah. don't need to try and water it down or something for those people. I, I just, I just felt like this was such a failure across mm. the board. I also, by the oh, way, I'm, just while I'm at it, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch's voice was awful in this movie. His choice to not his only to do non-English accent, not only to do it. I mean, the American accent, like okay, I guess, but he also uses his voice like I don't know, up and a half an octave. It's higher than yeah. it normally is, yeah. and he has such a perfect low, gravelly voice when he wants to. Why would he choose to do this namby pamby, yeah. stupid Americanized? <laughs> we should have just had Pharrell Williams do it or like um Steve Zahn should have been the voice of the Grinch. Or like Bill Hader or something. Bill Hader's like, great. I love yeah, Bill Hader. But yeah. no, but he's too good for that. Like Steve Zahn would be my choice. <laughs> while while we're on the subject, did I ever tell you about the time that when Claire was 3 years old, the Boy Scouts were coming through our neighborhood delivering the Christmas wreaths that everybody in the neighborhood had ordered through the Boy Scouts over the previous several weeks. And so they would come and they'd deliver like your, you know, two to six wreaths, however many windows you wanted to put them in. And Six Claire, wreaths? What are you, the Rockefellers? Well, I, people, some, no, sometimes people put them in like in all their upper windows. We we get the one. Uh, but anyway, so they, they come in, they drop off our wreath and they go down the street. And Claire caught a glimpse of them going down the street. And this was when she was three years old. And so it's a truck carrying a trailer full of wreaths and garland. And she lost her mind and came screaming at us, Mom, 
The Grinch, the Grinch, the Grinch is coming. Like she really thought that this trailer was stealing everybody's Christmas. So it resonates. Even at a very early age, the story resonates with kids. So why mess with it? Uh, Well, uh, we'll we'll get to that in five questions. Why mess with it? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with the mom, Cindy Lou's mom, totally forgetting that she has twins? Like, even at the end, she's like, you know, I already got the best gift in the world. You. <laughs> Full stop. Period. No other kids. She just forgot. She has twins. <laughs> well, maybe she didn't forget. Maybe that was just not the greatest mm. gift. What What's up with how the Grinch gets such real estate in the better suburbs of Whoville. Like, everybody in Whoville kind of lives in sort of like an apartment or a duplex, and the Grinch has this freaking caved-out mansion overlooking the earth from up there. He can see six continents from up there. It's it's quite amazing. What's up? And what, what what did he do to get that? What's up with this movie making him, on one hand, he's got this tricked-out cave, but it's like a cave, huge cavernous. There's like one chair in the middle of the room because he's sort of poor and has nothing. And then he turns a corner and he's got like a bat cave and he's an inventor and he can make yeah. gadgets and gizmos and who's it's that can help him in his effort. <laughs> right. So right. like he couldn't make up of his mind. Is he super smart? Or is he like a curmudgeonly hermit? Is he right, is right. he just sort of cantankerous? Or like when he goes to the shop and he like shatters the last thing of you know cranberry jelly or whatever? Is he a real prick? This movie couldn't make up its mind. It wanted him to be bad, but cute enough that we all want to buy a plush Grinch, and uh-huh. that's the problem with this movie. Uh, uh, well, right. one of like a dozen problems. This movie sucks. Uh, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> What's up with a picture of the Grinch and Max hanging in Max's bedroom and how it looks like sort of a, a picture outtake, like a problem? Like, if you're going to get a picture to frame and put by the dog, like, why wouldn't you just get a new one that's like of you both looking at the camera and smiling? Like, the Grinch is sort of like looking off and confused. Well, again, that was another example of that's supposed to be the cantankerous Grinch. He's the worst. Max loves him anyway because Max is the best. But he still hangs a picture there. And, and yeah, did Max hang the picture? <laughs> I think the Grinch did, right? So does this Grinch love You'd his dog or so. not love his dog? I, I think he loved his dog, and that's why I loved this Grinch just a scooch more. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is a bad Grinch. It's just not the Grinch. <laughs> this is All like right. Oscar right. the Grouch. I mean, this is like he's he's slightly grouchy. He's not the Grinch. <laughs> Buddy, are you ready for five questions? Sure. All right. Uh, five questions uh, related to the Grinch. First question. Are the Who's human? No. I, I've never known the answer to that question. I could never quite tell if they were just from a weird place. Okay. Uh, from like Oklahoma? Like you just, just you presume that that's what everyone looks and acts like in Deliverance. Oklahoma? Deliverance? Yes. <laughs> right. All right. I, I, it's like that episode of the X-Files that they're not allowed to air anymore <laughs> with the cannibals. That's, oh, jeez. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's the Whoville. <laughs> the second question. 
I revisited the 2000 version of the film so as to compare it to the newly released animated version and could barely recognize Mayor Augustus Mayhew and had to confirm on Wikipedia that he's played by multiple Emmy award-winning actor Jeffrey Tambor. Sure. What's new with that guy since 2000? <laughs> he's won multiple Emmys and Golden Globes for his role on the, the Amazon film uh, TV show Transparent. Okay. And there's no Anything other else? news. All right, all right. Third question. Are full-length adaptations of 25-minute shorts based on short stories for children ever necessary? Nope. Okay. No, they they could have either just done a collection of this, like it could have been the Dr. Seuss trilogy, and it could have been 90 minutes with three 30-minute shows, or put this as the extra special animated short before a different illumination movie. Okay. You know, or just do it on TV or do it for Netflix. There's just, I don't understand the need to do this. I mean, I'm sure they'll make $200 million domestically, but couldn't they have made a crap ton of money in another format and been a little bit more true to the story and not screwed with it so much? All right. Uh, Glass thing on that because you mentioned at the beginning of the, uh, the episode uh, a Christmas Carol right and that's a story that's been adapted a billion different times and we've had like Scrooge the McDuck version and everything sure I feel like in 98% of those adaptations the story is pretty much the same it's, it's like, pretty close they, yeah. they don't I mean you can change it and you can modernize it and you can set it in Australia or you can do it with animals or whatever but it's all kind of the same story and here they with the story and, yeah. and I, I just don't understand why they, other than to pad the runtime, why they felt they had to do that. In in the 70s or early 80s, there was a Hen, Henry Winkler version of A Christmas Carol where he plays the Scrooge character. And they called it an American Christmas Carol. And I don't think they called him Scrooge. But, I mean, he's visited by the spirits overnight. And the gist is the same. But it was the only one that that portrayed him as kind of a nice guy throughout. And uh, that's the only that's the only comparison I can draw to this this particular version of that. Otherwise the other thousand times they've made a Christmas carol, he's just an a till Christmas morning right. of the, the final day. Uh, fourth question. Taylor Momsen, who played Cindy Lou Who in the 2000 live action adaptation at age seven now fronts the rock band The Pretty Reckless. Their recent album, Going to Hell, (laughs) opens with a chorus of strikingly real orgasmic moans and features Momsen nude on the cover with a crucifix pointing downwards, painted on her back. Why have the recent Blu-ray reissues of the 2000 Grinch not featured more Taylor Momsen outtakes? She sounds like a hoot. Sounds like she's really uh, forged her own path. She, since she, the she adapted to Hollywood life really well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She she's well adjusted. Yeah, that's yes. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, final question: the one new song composed for this film, "I Am the Grinch" by Tyler the Creator. It's so bad that I cannot decide if I'd rather listen to it once or the entire William Shatner Christmas album. If, with a gun to my head, I had to choose one of those options, which would make me hate Christmas less? There's always a little. There's always a little room for Shatner. 
And okay. especially if you've got like a, gonna be something you got like a hot toddy, like while you're drinking <laughs> it, you're wearing a Christmas sweater while you listen to Shatner's Christmas album. Ironically, munching on like a, a big thing. He of, might not really be singing. He's just kind of speaking. He's at sort you. of scatting over the top of some jazz <laughs> while you're like, you got like a cheese brick and uh, some Christmas cookies next to you. You can muddle through that one. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. And that's five questions. All right. Thanks, listeners. So, buddy, you loved it. You'd recommend it to anybody. That's your takeaway. Yep. Thanks for paying attention. <laughs> no, I'm really glad that you liked it. And, you know, like I said, I'm really curious to see what my kids think of it. I th- I'm betting they'll like it. I just freaking hated every minute of it. They've got to live the screaming goat, right? That scatters the reindeer. That you had to laugh at. That oh, felt like such boy. a cheesy illumination gag. I felt like that was such the low-hanging, obvious fruit. I just, they just ruined it. They just really took a great thing and... I enjoyed it, and as a lover of Christmas movies, this is one that I would be excited to add to my collection, much more so than the 2000 adaptation, which is already in my collection. But I I don't revisit very often because I do find it kind of depressing. It's a tough set. Sort of scary, and yeah. Bill Irwin's in it, and... Yeah, yeah, I I don't like that one. Yeah, yeah I, I really don't enjoy that one. The kids watch it every couple years. I don't. This one, I would put in again. Great. Well, coming up next, we really will be revisiting or uh, be checking out the new Hugh Jackman film, The Front Runner, if it's ever released in theaters. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.